0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Reformed Dissenters, the show where Reformed Christians dissent against popular ideas of culture by asserting a biblical worldview. My name is Bruce Johnson. I am joined, as usual, by my brother, Jacob Johnson. Hello, everybody. And he's back in Pennsylvania. I am in the state of yeah. South Dakota today, so obviously we're remote, but it's uh, been working out pretty well for us so far. I think Sadly, we're still up... in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Yes. Indeed. Yeah. You'll be yeah, hopefully out of there shortly. <laughs> yes. Um, but uh yeah, I think we're coming up on a year actually of doing this show. I think in August will be a year, which is like, wow, I didn't think it would like this just went by so quickly. It's
1: crazy. Our introduction episode, I think was yes. at the end of July. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, our yeah. very first episode, I think was in August.
0: Yep. Yep. It's kind of crazy. So, yeah. Absolutely crazy. Um, well... Go to our website, trdshow.net. If you want to find out more about this show that's uh, existed for almost a year now, uh, we have an about page so you can learn about uh, us personally and learn about the mission of the show, which we'd highly encourage you, if you're new to the show, to check that out. You can scroll to the bottom of that page to send us a message if you want to contact us, or you can send us an email by sending it to trdshow at prototmail.com. And uh, today is topic Friday, so I have my obligatory message to ask you to send us future topics for this particular segment our friday episode is always a discussion topic of uh, often our choosing but uh, also your choosing as well as the audience so uh,
1: we would love to hear and from remember you. go ahead we do not have an unlimited amount of topics <laughs> yes. we will run out yes. so please unless you want the friday episodes to dissolve <laughs> give us more topics
0: that's hilarious. Jacob really likes to get audience participation topics, so yeah, yeah. you should send us those. Maybe you know placate Jake a little bit. He'll be satiated, <laughs> so that would be good. <laughs> nobody nobody wants Jake to be upset about not getting topics, so send him some topics soon. <laughs> Single tier. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. So do that. Um, also, sign up for our newsletter. trdshow.net slash newsletter is a really cool place, um, and you'll get all sorts of fun topics um so yeah i mean today we're talking about church discernment and that's a little vague so i've put a subtitle under that and um i've titled it discerning between fruitful and unfruitful churches so what is a good church uh, our perspective our opinion on that obviously yours may differ. And if it does, we'd love to hear about that. Send us an email at trdshow@protonmail.com. at protonmail.com. Uh, but this is our perspective on what we believe is most important in a church, what you should be looking for when you're looking for a church. And um, if your church doesn't meet this standard, maybe, you know, one of two options. We've said this before on the show, maybe work to fix it, work to change it, or leave. Find a church that is. Um, but before we get into all that, we have to talk about the verse of the week. And this this week, our verse is 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 4. I got it right this time. <laughs> nice. And uh, Jake and I both struggled with that this week, the verse reference, for whatever reason. But this verse says, His divine power has granted to us all uh, things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him, who are called to us? Uh, I'm sorry. Who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. So, there is so much here in this in this verse, Second Peter chapter one verses three through four. But there's couple things I want to highlight, and especially in light of our conversation on Wednesday, which, by the way, if you missed our Wednesday and Monday episodes, you're going to want to check those out. We talked about some very interesting uh, abortion-related news issues that are very important on our Monday episode. And then we broke down a Apologetics, yes, but a very particular variety of apologetics called presuppositional apologetics and why that's so important and why that's, we believe, the most biblical version of apologetics. But we discuss this in depth a little bit more. And in light of presuppositional apologetics, this actually starts to make a lot more sense. And this verse becomes even clearer than it already is. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him epistemology and knowledge and truth are not something that you want to try and find on your own autonomously without the word of God. We see that repeated so many times throughout scripture. And what's interesting is then at the end, it says having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. So all of this points to the fact that we need to be going to Christ. We need to be going to the word of God for knowledge to escape the sinful desire. Um, and it goes on to say, by which he granted to us his precious and very great promises. We see these covenantal promises all throughout scripture, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. We're we're set apart, we're different. We our lives now look different. We're to be changed creatures in Christ through the knowledge of him, through the knowledge of Christ, who's called us to his own glory and Excellence. This is just chock full of power. We are called now to live different lives and we're called to go, therefore, as Jacob loves to say all the time, right? Uh, by the way, if you didn't hear already, we made a t shirt that says Go Therefore. It's available in the Reformed Center's merch store. Check that out. Um, but we're now called to go, therefore, as changed creatures in Christ who have the knowledge of Him. And go and make disciples of all nations. So, part of that disciple-making process involves all four governments. And we've talked about this before on the show, and Gary DeMar breaks this down really, really well. But this is a theory called sphere authority or sphere sovereignty, where there are four spheres. I say four spheres. Uh, Some people only say three, but I say there's self-government, there is family government, church government, and civil government. We only like to, uh, a lot of times we only focus on civil government when we say the word government, but it's a general phrase that applies to all four of those governments. So, we've discussed on this show multiple times the family government, we've discussed the individual government going through the Ten Commandments and all of that. Really, all of this applies to individual government in many ways as well, self-government. But we've also discussed the uh, civil government at length going through Gary DeMar's series and all sorts of other resources like that but one government we haven't really touched on as much is the church government and so today we thought today would be a a great opportunity to do that and specifically discussing discernment you know we discussed the difference between judging and discerning a couple weeks on the a couple weeks ago on the show but now we want to apply that specifically to the church how do you discern between a fruitful and an unfruitful church so i think we each have five points excuse me five points that we'd like to bring up. Um, Is that, that's true, Jake? Five different categories. Cool. And uh, under those, we have some things we want to discuss. So our first category, we, so we actually made this list independent of each other, but as it turned out, quite a few of them actually overlapped. I think there's at least two or three of our five points that are the same points. And we have different things underneath those points. So this will be a really fun discussion. Um, But our first point is confessions of faith and you phrased it something slightly different what did you say in yours so
1: okay <clears throat> excuse me and and this is like i well the way i phrase it is doctrinal statement doctrinal statements but,
0: or, or standards but i mean what is that doctrinal standards as well
1: right right and in like there are three questions that i ask when i when i bring this up okay is, first of all do they have a doctrinal statement? <laughs> Step one. Right? Uh, do you guys yeah. got one? <laughs> Second of all, in their doctrinal statement, and doctrinal statement is basically what the church believes. But then also, do they use a confession? Right? Yes. The 19 yes. creed. Yes. Uh, well, I guess I was thinking of creeds, but creeds and confessions, you know, yes. they're very linked together. But I was <clears throat> thinking about that as in, do they use a creed or confession? Yep. And and lastly, my my third question is, and is their doctrinal statement overall backed up entirely by scripture? Mm,
0: Yes. not some arbitrary statement that they made up. And that's why. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Because I I think a lot uh, of
1: evangelical talking points. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I, you know, I think the the, a lot of people my brain is going in like three different directions. I got to pick one and go with it. Um, a lot of people will bring up the the objection that, well, you know, why can't we come up with our own creed? All of those other creeds were, came up with, you know, other people just came up with those uh, on their own as well. And it's like, well, not really. Um, <laughs> first of all, those creeds have stood the test of time. Those creeds have been examined, re-examined, and re-re-examined, if that's a word, we should make it a word. Um, and over... The course of time throughout history of man now i'm starting to sound like camilla harris the passage of time sorry i won't do that um the uh do you hear that one where she was just like kept saying the passage of
1: time over and over again in her speech? no i remember where oh, she man. said work together yeah like, oh my goodness over and that over lady and over is over just again. a broken
0: record sometimes it's it is hilarious yeah. to listen to her speeches sometimes it just cracks me up when i need like comedy i'll put on camilla harris go ahead um or biden, so- <laughs> or biden that's even more hilarious yes
1: yes if you, if you like slapstick listen to biden if yeah. you just like regular humor <laughs> you listen to harris yes.
0: yes there you go yep there you go um so first of all these confessions these creeds have stood the test of time <clears throat> they have been uh, re-examined multiple times by church fathers by people in the church people who have studied the word of god and are very knowledgeable in that area so and also it was a panel of people especially the nicene creed apostles creed It wasn't just like one guy or just a few people here or there it was a large group of people that excuse me something in my throat today put together these documents so for me my first question is you know what confessions of faith do they hold to i say first and foremost my line of thinking is it's important that the church holds to sound doctrine one of the fastest ways to tell if they're strong or not, is to look at statements of faith or doctrines. So confessions of faith are perfect examples, um, i.e., the Westminster Confession or the Heidelberg Catechism. They're they're very comprehensive. They're systematic lists of theology. Um, there's also a uh, Brackel does a great series. Um, who is it? Uh, Lewis Burkhoff, Here's oh yeah, I have his book. Uh, just any sort of summary of Christian doctrine. Um, and the reason we go right to like confessions of faith and creeds is because they usually are very comprehensive and they've stood the test of time and it makes sense because so many other churches and people have held to these, but we also need to be careful that we reevaluate these, that we study them and make sure that they align with scripture because ultimately scripture is our standard. So confessions of faith do two things. One, they help new people understand what that church believes. And two, they keep members and church leadership accountable to a standard. That is really important. And that's going to kind of be a common thread throughout this is, is keeping church leadership and members accountable to a standard. Um, so I, I would group, like Jacob, I would, I would group um, the Nicene Creed, um, Apostles mm-hmm. Creed, all of these these creeds under this category as well uh well that's point number one anything you'd like to add to that category before we move on to our second category
1: i think we need to say the points a little bit faster
0: (laughs) okay (laughs) we're running out of time that's true that's true we got to get through some of these all right um so my my next category and then jake i'll let you pick one that we don't share as well because this is one that I don't think you brought up in your notes, um, and you can bring up another one that I didn't bring up in my notes after this. But my next category is, do they believe in the regulative principle of worship? So if you're unfamiliar with that, that's a concept that the Bible tells us how to worship God. When we talked about the second commandment last week, we were talking about the fact that God wants to be worshiped in the way that he wants to be worshipped, right? He has a specific way that he wants to be worshipped. We can see this in the Old Testament as well throughout Israel's history when they had tabernacles and they were very specific. God had very strict specifications for how he wanted to be worshipped. There are still specifications that apply to us today, maybe not in the same way that Israel had, but there are still things that we need to make sure that we apply in principle to our church services when we go to worship God. And so does the church take that into account and do they worship God the way he wants to be worshipped or not? That's a really important thing to consider. Uh, Jake, I'll go for your next one. <laughs> yeah. All right. Unless you want to so, add to that. Then,
1: this is different. Right, this is separate from Bruce's and different than Bruce's, but um, I want to talk about the five Solas. Ooh. And for those that don't know them, I'm going to quickly rattle off what they are. They're nice. quite simple, quite understood by the majority of christians but yes. first one being sola scriptura and that means scripture alone and yep. um, meaning like in definition that is scripture is the final and highest authority mm. right we all understand that we all believe that <laughs> moving on to the second one solus christus meaning christ alone uh, and yep. in definition, that is, Christ is the only saver, savior, the only mediator, and the only fully human and fully God representative. Mm. Third one being sola... Um, sorry if I butchered this next one in multiple <laughs> ways to pronounce this, but sola uh, gratia, mm. or grace alone. Gratia, whatever. Yeah, you know, that works. You know, whatever, <laughs> But... We are saved by God's own grace. Yes. Right? Again, understood. But th- these points, the church needs to believe. Yeah. And, and they don't necessarily need to come out and say, we believe this. Because <laughs> as Christians, they should already believe this. Yeah. Just make sure that this is what they're saying. Yep. This is what they actually believe in, in their um, actions. Yes. But <clears throat> number four being sola fida. Meaning faith alone, mm. and that is in definition, we are saved through working through work, sorry, we are saved through the working of the Holy Spirit in us, which manifests itself in faith in Christ, yes,
0: yep, so those five solas are evidenced throughout all of scripture. They are what we believe to be the fundamental bedrock foundation mm-hmm. of the gospel and our salvation. And so yeah. yeah, if a church does not agree to those, then well, you yeah, you got problems. What's that?
1: There's one more. I oh. haven't done the fifth one. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> and then the fourth fifth one. Sorry. Fifth. This is that's fourth. This is five. <laughs> there we go. Okay. Um Solia Soli Dio Gloria. Mm. Which means the glory of God alone. Yes. And this, in definition, means. God is the only one who receives credit and the glory of our faith and the glory for our faith, but also the fruit that we bear after faith and salvation. Yep. So that and those are the five. Nice. Okay. Again, fundamental principles, which this church already should believe, which the majority of churches, if they are a good church, will already believe but that is vitally important that they believe those things.
0: Yep, yep, absolutely. All right, was that it? I don't wanna cut you off, but- No, 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 okay, that's cool. all five. All right, all great, <laughs> don't wanna repeat it last time. Okay, so <laughs> uh, my next question, the, the, the category I'm looking for next is, what is their church governmental structure like? What is their church governmental structure like? Throughout the book of Acts, we see church government brought up many, many times. We see a structure of churches spread across multiple areas and regions, all responsible for each other and all tied together. We don't see churches just randomly, you know, placed, all right, see you later. We'll never talk again. You know, like we never see that. We don't see that in scripture. We see these churches being unified under a church government. Um... But there are lots of different ways to do that. Uh, there are a lot of different styles of church government. Many, unfortunately, don't clu- don't include any oversight from a larger church government outside of their own church. That's, we, we I don't agree with that. Um, you know, we, we don't agree that there should be just a, a lone wolf lone wolf church like I'm about to talk about. There there are upsides and downsides to this, but here are some of the downsides. Often these lone wolf churches can more easily veer off into heretical doctrines. Um, also. Second, My second point uh, under downsides of being a lone wolf church, my second point is that many times these churches can be less stringent about church discipline. They don't take it as seriously because there's no larger body of believers to also take that seriously and for that to actually mean something and carry some weight with it. Oh, so a group of a few people in my local community aren't too happy that I'm breaking God's law in a very overt way. Eh, whatevs. But when a larger group, a larger church government isn't happy it carries more weight with it uh three single churches are often less effective culturally than churches within a the denomination they have less resources less money uh usually unless there's some kind of mega church um and they're just not as effective that's generally how that works um there are some there's one upside i could think of <laughs> So three downsides, one upside. Clearly I have a bias. Uh, But my one upside to a church being a lone wolf church without like an oversight, a governmental oversight, is that if there's no denomination holding churches to a central doctrine, you don't have to worry about not preaching certain things from the pulpit for fear of being kicked out. But to that, I would say, well, you need to pick a denomination that you agree with. So you're not nervous about restraining yourself in the pulpit and not saying things that you believe are true because the denomination would be mad at you. So that just means you need to pick a better denomination. <laughs> so honestly, I that's my perspective. Um, so that was my point talking about church government. Jake, do you kind of agree with all of those? Anything to add? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, no, I have nothing to add to that. I think that's vitally important that we're under. And I mean, the entirety of scripture shows that, that we, we, yes, we have a science. higher... We have a higher authority right above us, us yep. individuals. Yep. Right. The everything has a higher authority until you get to God. Yes. He's the highest authority. <laughs> but yes. then there are there are other authorities above each person. Yep. yep. Um, but moving on to my third point. Yep. And it yep. is different. Um, my third point is saying, and I think it's the same as your fourth point. So why don't I I switch them? All right. I'm going to talk about my fourth point or Really, my third point, but okay. okay. Cool. My, <laughs> my next point, just the next one, but um, is, is the church involved? Yes. I, that's a really
0: good and, one. And that actually goes right back to, you know, we're talking about fruitful versus unfruitful churches. Yeah. I think that that is one directly, of the one yeah. best uh,
1: examples of a fruitful church is what you're just about to describe. Are they involved? Yeah, are they, are they going out, are they going, therefore, out into the community, um, doing outreach, doing ministering? Yep. Are they involved in the culture? And, and also, are they being effective? Yes. I think that's another important thing to understand is that they can be getting involved in uh, homeless shelters. So, you know, all the typical stuff that they're involved in, that churches are involved in, but if it's not leading to anything, mm. are they effective? Yep. Are they actually being fruitful at that point? Yes. They can be involved as much as they want, but if they're not bearing fruit, it's useless. Yes. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And I want to talk a little bit more about that. We got eight minutes
0: left. I want to talk a little bit more about that at the very end where both of our points kind of, we're like building to a climax here. We got all these supporting things. This is kind of how I think about it. We've got all these supporting things that go Mm -hmm. into building a church and they support it. They're the foundation. They're allowing for this to happen. But what is the main goal? What is it that all these things are supporting, like holding up, what sits on top of that, that, that? That's the reason for all these supports. We're going to get to that in just a second. Uh, but first, I want to talk about what is their congregation like? So this is another supporting thing. A church is made of people. That's what a church is. It's, it's made of people, right? <laughs> um, uh, Doug Wilson actually addresses this in his book, Mother Kirk, which is a really, really good book. And I hope to read it on the show in the future sometime. But talks about how a church is made up of people. And so we need to understand. We need to like discern what these people are. What what type of people are they? Um, some major questions that I ask: Do the majority of the families in the church homeschool their children? Do they see the importance of that? Do they understand the role of the family, which is to train up children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord?
1: And do they? And I mean, and is the is the pastor preaching on that? Yes, exactly. How will they I know I without think... a preacher? Yep, and I think that's a little bit like what separates a lot of churches, and for for a lot of our our supporting points, a church might a typical Presbyterian Reformed, maybe even majority of Baptist churches fit in with our with those points. But then yep. when you come to this point, mm. this is the deciding factor. Yes, right. Yeah, this separates the the strong the good churches from the. The bad churches, not bad churches per se, but ineffective, you know, unfruitful, ineffective. Right. Right. So this one is harder to find a church. Yes. If you were just going by our first three points, <laughs> when you come to this fourth one, you're going to be like, oh, shoot. Oh, wow. <laughs> where where are these churches? We can't find these. Yes. Anymore. Yes. And but a church, it's almost as if we're scared. We're scared to preach about homeschooling. Yes.
0: Yep. Yeah, absolutely, and honestly, I think it's a multiple. There's, it's a multitude of reasons why. But one thing I do want to mention is that um, the people you should be looking for are the kinds of people who should find joy in discussing biblical truths and principles. Mm. They should find joy in that. It should come up a lot in your conversations, even just first day with them, right? Or is the Bible rarely brought up in your conversations? That's something to consider when you're discussing things with people you just met. Does the Bible ever come up? Like, is that ever part of your conversation? That should tell you something. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16 is a really good example of this. We're called to teach and sing with thankfulness together. This is something that we get together to do to discuss the word of God, to have those iron sharpens iron kinds of conversations. So, all
1: right. Um, last before we move on yep one yep. last thing to say about this and this is something that you won't see immediately right It'll be that you'll have to be involved in the church a little bit before you can really know if it's good or bad church so this is a process that you got to go through but yeah. are the families and subsequently the church growing I uh, and this point. this this does sort of fit into my my last point. Right. My third point, talking about, are they involved in the culture? First of all, is the church, is the congregation itself growing? Is it getting bigger? Yeah. Right. Because if you're involved and you're being effective and it's providing fruit, then it should the the church should be growing. But also, are they growing in faith? Mm. Is the congregation growing in faith? Yes. And in what Bruce was bringing up, are the children yes. growing in faith?
0: Big point right there. Yep. Yep. Dude, great, great points. Um, And that, all of this, the culmination of this brings us to our last, yeah, our last point. This to me is one of the biggest things when you are looking for a church. This is one of, in my opinion, I think Jake's opinion as well. This is what we really, really look for and need desperately today in our churches. Are they kingdom Minded, are they kingdom-minded churches? In Matthew 28 verses 18 through 20, we are given the command to go and make disciples of all nations. In Matthew chapter 6 verse 33, Christ said, "Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Also, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 5, we're told to destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. Add to this the encouragement that our offensive strategies against the gates of hell will succeed, Matthew 16, 18. And the clear message is that Christians should be actively going into the world, working to transform culture for the kingdom of God. So this is what everything's been building to, right? This is what we need from our churches today. It's clear the message of Scripture is clear. They're to be kingdom-minded. And I'm... And I,
1: oh, go ahead, Jake. Two, to, two minutes To left. build on that... Yes. Um, uh, I don't know if you were going into well, this, but... So
0: I was going to split this into two categories. I was going to split it into the pastor and then the congregation and the church leadership. Does anything you're okay. about to say fit under those, or is kind of different?
1: Well, no, I'm taking it into the entirety, and okay. I'm, I'm changing... Cool. Not changing, but I'm I'm adding on to what you were saying that they're they're being kingdom oriented. But I want to add a little bit to that saying, do they have an optimistic view yes. of the kingdom? Yes. Do they believe that they're working in the community and culture will ultimately succeed? Yes. Do do we think it's going to go somewhere or are we all just striving in vain? <laughs> Right? Yes. Are yes. we it's our work for in nothing. our outreach? Right? And 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 we can't really fully understand this until we look at the other side, right? Are we people who is the church thinking that ultimately it will not go anywhere? We're we're just giving the gospel, we're just doing what we can until Christ comes back and then you know <laughs> Yeah. It's it's just, over. just give a few souls fire
0: insurance. Yeah, you know we're just fire insurance salesmen, and then yeah. we're
1: good. You know, but if that if we don't think it's going to go anywhere, right? Then why strive at all? Mm. Right, and yeah. that's that's where that leads. Yep. Right. If so, you're being consistent with your worldview, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So then, we want the opposite of that. Yeah. We want the other spectrum. Yes. We want. Is the church being optimistic? Do they think it will go somewhere or are they being pessimistic? Yep. Yep. You know? Yeah. So that's, that's what I wanted to bring up. Yeah. I think that's, sorry if I cut you off. No,
0: no worries. No, I think that's really good because that really plays into the last thing I want to get to um which is what does it look like to be kingdom minded we're gonna go a few minutes over but i think it's important i think this is really crucial stuff to talk about and consider as christians and to take to your own churches and consider if your church is like this or not um and you know there i i I think there are two ways that a, a church is kingdom minded and is optimistic about the future one The the pastor, the pastor should be preaching about how to apply all of scripture to all of life. That is vitally important that he is making disciples of the people that are in his church, that he's showing them and preaching to them the entire counsel of God, that they are now learning how to do their work as unto the Lord, how to run for office and be a, a politician in office as unto the Lord, how to do all of these things and not just limiting the message to a basic limited version of the gospel that says you are a newborn creature in Christ. And that's it. Sunday after Sunday, after Sunday, that I don't believe is the role of the pastor. And I believe there's ample amounts of scripture to uh, speak against that. Uh, Secondly, the congregation and the church leadership. Um, They should be working for the kingdom of God in all their day to day endeavors. Uh, Colossians chapter three, verse 17, and also verse 23 It's vitally important that in all that they do, they should do it as unto the Lord. That's the end of our show. We always restate that, right? That is vitally important, not just for the pastor, but the people in the congregation and the church leadership to be doing that, to be examples of that. The goal of the church is twofold. One, to bring new people to Christ through evangelism. And I think a lot of Baptist churches get that, that aspect they get. Two, to fulfill what Christ commands in Matthew 28, 19 and Matthew five thirteen to go, therefore, make disciples and be salt and light in this world. We can't just sit on the sidelines and let the cultural battle not be a battle. <laughs> if we're not involved, they're winning. And what does the Bible say? It says that the gates of hell will not prevail. That means that our attack against the gates of hell will ultimately succeed. We will be successful in that.
1: The The, the devil
0: is bound. If I mean, we do it if we do if we go
1: if we go therefore they will not succeed exactly exactly and that's that shows us there can be an optimistic view of it yes right if we do something we should be optimistic yes but if we're not doing anything (laughs) all right then then pessimism comes in
0: yes precisely
1: yep yeah
0: absolutely so honestly that was a lot of stuff um but that's All I have to say, there's so much more that could be said on all of these different topics, but we only have half an hour, so these are some of the highlights, some of the things we really wanted to get to. This is kind of in the order. I don't know about you, but I I pretty much put these in the order of things that I'm looking for. Um, I might change one or two things around. Like I think Confessions of Faith are actually higher than I made them. They're not number one on the list. They would be maybe three or four, pretty high, like five being the the highest, the most important. Um, Mm. So, But honestly all of these are are very very important but i would put kingdom minded being one of the most important yeah so
1: um great anything you want to add before we wrap up jake no no i um other than and i wanted i wanted to preface this before i went into it right um no, you know what? actually i'm gonna leave it as it is i was gonna say something more but i'm gonna leave it as it is let that let <laughs> okay. that let, let that what simmer. we just were talking about sit
0: <laughs> okay yeah there's there's so much more that could be said i know and yeah. this is this yeah. is one of our one of our big topics for sure <laughs> uh, but we actually have a series of two other discussion topics we want to do sometime in the future that address these that the kingdom-minded kingdom-oriented aspect very very uh Detailed, a very detailed breakdown of that. Um, so stay tuned for that. We're looking forward to producing those in a few weeks. So um, awesome. Well, thank you all in the audience so, so much for listening to us today. We really appreciate it. Don't forget, as we always say, go to our website, TRD Show, TRD Show, the Reform And uh, we got so many cool things on that website. Check it out today if you haven't already. Uh, buy a t shirt. We've got special edition t-shirts now available in our merch store which you can find on our website go there for special edition t-shirts check them out um we think the design turned out pretty nicely and we're really happy to get them out to people and hopefully they'll help you start conversations with people as you go there for and make disciples of all nations uh, send us an email at trd show at we are really looking forward to hearing some of your thoughts on this episode and um Yeah, we'll see you on Monday. And remember, everyone, in all that you do, do it as unto the Lord.